Have you ever read an article or story and thought to yourself, this would make a fantastic movie? Now, in this episode, we are going to explore two different yet eye-opening stories of two Ghanaians from different backgrounds pursuing their respective dreams in the media and creative arts industry. One, a photographer, the other, a musician. Now, if you are working on a business, a side hustle or some type of dream, what I'm about to share with you is only going to make you stronger. Nothing is impossible in this life. I tell you, through God, nothing is impossible. Right, let's look at the story of the musician. Now, Tony Kofi is a British Ghanaian born in 1965. He is the fifth of seven kids in total and he was raised in Nottingham, east of England. Now, he grew up to jazz music being played frequently by his parents who initially relocated to Nottingham from Ghana in the 1950s. Tony describes his childhood as very traditional with Ghanaian food and Ghanaian music. Ghanaian food and Ghanaian music, sorry. His parents insisted the family speak tree and outside of the home, he was able to speak the English language. Let's continue. Now, when Tony started schooling, he was left-handed, but his parents held onto their Ghanaian tradition and forced him to learn how to write right-handed. Now, this helped him to make him a very unique person. And as a result, during his school years, he had a passion for sports and music, but he was told he wouldn't be allowed to pursue music, interestingly enough. Now, as a result, he was put into woodwork and accepted this as his career and destiny. Fast forward to the 1980s, Tony became a skilled carpenter and was given an apprenticeship. However, little did he know that this would become the turning point of his life. In spring 1981, he was working on an old roof of a house in a stint to impress his boss. He asked his boss if he could continue to work on the roof whilst his boss went on lunch. And then his boss approved and gave him a warning regarding his safety. Tony went on and he was in the middle of sawing a two by four length of wood, um, that's dimension wise, which he didn't see properly. Now what happened was the two by four piece of wood caught his sleeve and took him down and Tony fell from a rooftop and thought he was going to die. Can you believe this? Now, this is the crazy bit. Now, as he knew he couldn't control gravity, he simply closed his eyes and relaxed himself. To his surprise, he started to see flashes of images instead of everything slowing down, which he had heard before. In visions, Tony saw different places worldwide and the places and the faces, sorry, of people he was yet to meet. Tony says, and I quote, I saw young children that I've never seen before that were to become my children, I guess. And the one thing that really stuck in my mind was me standing up and playing an instrument. I just thought, this is the weirdest feeling in my entire life. Usually when I hear things like this, it's from people um, who get visions from God. Um, so that's quite interesting. Let's continue. And Tony says, and I quote, and then that was it. I completely blacked out, unquote. Tony found himself waking up in hospital sometime after the accident. His mother, father, and two of his brothers appeared all by his bedside, expressing their concerns for his health. Turns out he was out for days and Tony's head was still in pain when he woke up and he had developed severe head trauma. His work supervisor was also nice enough to visit 
and Tony sustained some other injuries, including disorientation. Fast forward, Tony left hospital almost a month later. He wanted to use compensation money to buy an instrument. The flashing images that ran through his mind during the fall kept returning, and as a result, um, this led him to purchase a saxophone, which he saw in visions. Um, Before, he had no idea what a saxophone even was, but after research and after speaking to friends and family, he found out it was a saxophone. Um, He purchased his first saxophone worth over £200 in today's money, and he put two and two together to realise that this was the instrument that he was destined to play. Tony was determined to play the saxophone and his parents opposed the idea and thus brought resistance to his pursuit of music after many, many years. Tony says, and I quote, I said, I can't go back. They didn't understand why, but I said to them, if I go back, then I might as well have died in that fall. Can anyone relate to being raised by very strict Ghanaian parents? Um, I didn't, or I wasn't really raised by very, very strict Ghanaian parents to that level, but they were fairly strict. And I I do attribute some of my, uh, (laughs) to, to, to my character and how I've been raised to the way my parents raised me up. Let's continue. Now, as Tony couldn't afford to get into any colleges or universities to help him learn formally, as a result, his mother passed on jazz vinyl records to him and Tony learned how to play by ear by playing along. Tony started off as a terrible saxophonist, but eventually he honed his craft. His hunger for playing music took him to apply to a college in Nottingham, famous for music and performing arts, which rejected him. Can you believe it? They rejected him. His persistence to learn took him across the pond to America to learn music at the Berklee College of Music in Boston. He received a scholarship due to impressing the admission team as he was self-taught. When he returned to England, he worked on his first album and in 2005, he won his first award in 2005, the BBC Jazz Award. As well as becoming a musician, composer and band leader, Tony also works as a teacher at the Julian Joseph Jazz Academy and the World Heartbeat Music Academy. In September 2020 last year, he started teaching at the Trinity Laban Conservatoire of Music and Dance and this year was awarded an honorary professorship from Nottingham University. Can you believe it? Now, Nottingham University, for those of you who are not aware of it, is quite a prestigious university. I mean, one of my brothers went there and um, yeah, the graduation ceremony is quite something. And um, yeah, um, he deserves it. He loves to work with musicians, both young and old, inspiring others to live their dreams and to never give up hope. Wow. What a story. What a story. Now, if you want to hear more from Tony Kofi, um, you can check this out on the BBC Radio 4 podcast, link in the show notes. Now, let's move on to the next person, who is the photographer, um, Paul Ninson. Now, Paul Ninson, on the other hand, is a native Ghanaian raised in Ghana in a farm with no electricity. Fast forward to his college years, he found himself becoming a father for the first time at the tender age of 20. Now, what was more the problem was the fact that he was poor, unemployed and still living with parents, which was even more burdensome than the baby itself, a divine gift from God. For his soon-to-be-born daughter, he had to provide money, diapers, baby food, clothes and pay the bills. Who knows what that stress is like. Brinton was forced to do door-to-door selling just to keep the lights on. He sold t-shirts at university to everyone around him, including churches, businesses and schools. Almost all the money went to his daughter. 
three years later, he found himself in the same position, living hand to mouth, barely being able to provide for his daily needs nor his daughter. No opportunities to save, Paul only wished he had savings and needed his big break to come sooner. Now fortunately enough for Paul that his break arrived soon enough. His friend came to Ghana from a trip abroad with a camera which he borrowed to Paul. Paul immediately was able to generate more money than he did selling t-shirts. This was a turning point for him. However, Paul wanted a camera of his own and became financially independent. Paul sold and gave away everything he had to get his hands on his own camera, his apartment, his possessions, you name it. Eventually, his mother stepped in and secured a loan for him and he was finally able to own an entry-level camera. It wasn't the best, but Paul with his situation and his desire to provide for his daughter and to create a better future for himself, he was determined to make the most out of it and turn lemons into lemonade. At that time, photography wasn't mainstream in Ghana. As a result, there were a limited places for Paul to hone his craft, be it online through tutorials or through others. He took over 200 shots a day and kept practicing his art. Now this, this part here reminds me of when I hear stories of Michael Jordan or Kobe Bryant and you hear about them practicing um, so many basketball shots just so that they can get better at what they do. Um, don't you see the relevance or the resonance, sorry? Now, let's continue. Now, all of this still wasn't enough and Paul wanted to attend a photography conference to get to that next level. Because he was deemed as not being professional enough, Paul was permitted to attend the conference and was even rejected a number of times to obtain, obtain a scholarship to study photography. Now, who sees the parallels between Paul's story and Tony's story so far? Now, this didn't stop Paul, and Paul's persistence was rewarded by a half scholarship to study at the International Center of Photography at New York. This meant he needed $20,000 left to attend the program, which he by no means had the cash for. Along came Brandon Stanton, the founder of Humans of New York, and he hired Paul for a photography event. He was impressed by Paul and offered him to pay the rest amount for his studies. Paul finally got his big break at last, and Paul said, when I landed in New York, I was full of joy. I spent the first few days exploring the city. I saw places that I'd only seen in photographs, Times Square, Central Park, the Empire State Building, etc. During orientation, I met other students from all over the world. There were so many subjects to choose from, and I signed up for the maximum number of classes. Now that's someone that's thirsty for hunger, hunger for sorry hungry for knowledge i knew what i was sacrificing to be here and i was determined to take advantage of every resource he said unquote paul now wants to build a photography library and a learning center in ghana he has so far collected thirty thousand books for the project and wants to use this library to help disadvantaged ghanaians and africans who are not in the position to access resources like paul he sets to create the largest photo library in Africa and thanks to Brandon Stanton, the individual who helped pave the way for Paul to study, he has a crowdfunding campaign which has raised over $1.5 million to help make this a reality. Paul also says and I quote, I filled up my entire apartment with books and then I rented a storage unit, then another, then another. I collected 30,000 books so far and I was able to and I want to build the largest photo library in Africa. The books are currently in a shipping container en route to Ghana, but as my collection has grown, so has my dream. 
I want to build more than just a library. I want to build an entire learning center, home for photography in Ghana, he noted, unquote. Now, if you want to contribute to the campaign, the link is in the show notes of your podcast player. Did any of these stories resonate with you or strike a chord? Are there similar stories like this, which most people aren't aware of? Please let us know. Email info at thesoundofacrowd.com or tweet me at Mr. A. Daniels. Uh, that's all for today, guys. Thanks for tuning in. Season three has started recording and we look forward to dropping it soon. What are your takeaways from these two Ghanaian stories? Please reach out and let us know. And um, yeah, if you're listening on an Apple device, please leave us a review. It does go a long way. And whatever podcast platform you listen to, please share the episode, subscribe, and I'll see you in the next one. Thank you for listening. <laughs>